Welcome to the Draft and Stash, your one-stop shop for NBA news, free agency, draft, and everything in between. Sit back, relax, because it's time to start the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back after like uh, maybe a little over a week or so. Um, I was trying to find a, a date to get in ship here, but he um, he just you know he's working a lot, you know, with you know uh, his normal job, and then he's also writing um, freelance for Bluff City Media, and he's doing draft stuff for them, so he's very busy. So I was trying to get him in here for the second um, you know playoff video of sorts, but we're gonna get him in here, um, especially now that the Grizzlies are out. So <laughs> um, I, I guess let's just jump right into it, and that is gonna be. Um, I guess the round one aftermath here, uh, you've got, um, it's weird to think because yes, they are upsets in terms of, um, I, I guess the, you know, the, the seating in general, but are they really upsets based on context? You have the Bucks who get knocked out in the first round by the heat. Um, Giannis gets injured on, uh, on just, a. A freak charge play. I, I I say freak, but it's getting to the point where people now think that maybe we should um, reevaluate how the, the charge is taken. And maybe they're right. You know, basketball, whether you want to believe it or not, is based on injury is the most dangerous uh, sport in all the world. Um, just based on the fact that guys are running at 20 miles per hour, jumping three to four feet in the air uh, and trying to jump over one another. Um, there is a lot of, of, of injuries, you know, based on tears and ankles and things like that. There's not as many um, serious major inju- uh, injuries, which you might see in other sports, but there is a lot of injuries and also lagging, um, nagging injuries from your know, knees and feet and backs and stuff and whatnot. So, Back in the day when they were, uh, you know, plumbers, as J.J. Reddick likes to say, <laughs> were playing, um, those guys are not jumping that high. You know, they're not doing John Morant-like things and, and like Giannis. And so the charges kind of come where it's almost a bailout last second thing that like a defender thinks, oh, I'll just like, you know, slide over real quick and try to get in the way here. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's really dangerous. Uh, a lot of people have been injured doing this. You know, there's hundreds, I mean, like of just people that have just gotten hurt from getting undercut, basically. I mean, I mean, like guys fight uh, playing, you know, pickup games in rec centers and stuff based on actions like this. And uh, as opposed to having two incredible, exciting stars in John Morant and Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo, uh, both get injured. And uh, Jaw has to miss a game. He comes back. He still looks okay, but he's clearly uh, his his hand was just banged up. It was awful. Giannis misses most of the first game. He misses game two and game three, comes back to play in the last two. Um, his team ends up getting bounced in five, you know, so I, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Jimmy Butler played his ass off, not saying that at all, but if Giannis is healthy, that, that team probably wins in five or six over, you know, them. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and so because of that, you have an eight beaten a one, which is an upset. But through context, it's like that's what's supposed to happen, right? Uh, one that I was completely shocked about was the Cavs getting their ass beat by the Knicks. I mean, congrats. Hold on. I got like an applause thing here. <laughs> congrats to the Knicks and their fans. Um, just awesome. Uh, I, I did not see that coming at all. I, I honestly thought... The Cavaliers with their uh, two combo big men there, um, that they would be able to handle Josh Randall and Mitchell Robinson. And it just goes to show you that um, you don't know how to play in the playoffs until you're there. And, you know, they got there, and there's only a couple guys really on that Cavs team who are key cogs that have had, uh, you know, a history of 
of you play basketball, and one of them, which is Donovan Mitchell, who is becoming, I don't know if he's labeled, um, you know, if it's fair to label him as maybe a choke artist at this point, but he's had a couple of teams that were really good and they just have not been able to go. And he's been kind of a reason that they haven't been able to go farther, you know, in general. And he did not show up. And I was fully beforehand. I was like, okay, this is going to be the, the Donovan Mitchell, you should have traded for me, Knicks, haha, you know, moment. And instead it was like, yo, uh, RJ Barrett, you know, played, played. I mean, I, I dare I say better than, than Donovan Mitchell did in this series. And, um, you know, and Josh Hart continued to show that he was a really smart pickup, and those first round picks are just picks, guys. You know, you know, if you can get a player that can move your move your needle and get you towards, if your goal is championships or or, or nice playoff runs, go for it. You know, I, I've never understood this. You know, oh, I mean, like if you're the Thunder, the Magic, and your window's clearly in the next three years. Okay, I, I I can get you know wanting to wait a little bit. But when you're a team like the Grizzlies, for instance, and your, your team's way ahead of schedule to where now it's not really on schedule anymore. It's just this is who you are. Um, with you're just a good team with a lot of potential going forward. You need to make moves to to accentuate that now as opposed to waiting and being like well you know technically in three years you know all your guys will be right in their prime and then that's a real you know i can move there just go for it man you know you know picture just picks and at some point i I am going to go into a whole uh, tirade about how um i think uh all these teams that are that are stockpiling first round picks that it's overrated uh, the Celtics are a prime example that they they stockpiled I don't know how many first round picks but between the the Nets and a few other trades and literally out of like the nine or ten they got they hit on three two of which were their own picks uh, it's just it's such a crapshoot and yes it's nice to have more bullets when you're trying to hit a target. But sometimes, you know, if, if you're allowed to move closer to the target, I would just go for that as opposed to having more bullets. I don't know. So that, that that's just that's just me. That's a, a little small tirade there. Moving on to the West, um, it's weird that everybody is dunking on the Grizzlies as the as this waste of a two seed, but nobody's dunking on the Kings for being a waste of a three seed. It's strange to me. Um, the Kings were the healthiest team in the West. Their starters played ninety four percent of all their games. They they had home court advantage, um, this really awesome offense, and they had a chance to beat the Warriors, and they lose by like what twenty in Game Seven or something. The Grizzlies only I think it's like thirty something percent or forty percent of their starters played together this year. They still won fifty one games. Then they had another injury with with Luke Kennard after the Grizzlies seemingly finally figured out that maybe don't play Dylan Brooks 40 minutes, maybe play the other guy who's the best shooter in the league. And and those those metrics were off the chart in terms of of, of that just um, amazing amount of spacing. Oh wait, um his shoulder it gets, it gets busted up on a damn on a damn screen. So now so now he's gone on. So you're, now you're down another good body. So it just it was just too much for the Grizzlies to overcome, but it's it's just weird that None of that, none of that context matters. All that matters is the Grizzlies are a waste, and and the, and this awful, uh, you know, you know the, the, this this bad land of, of talent and, and 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 false bravado and and, and front runners and blah blah blah. And like, it's like everybody can't wait to get out these um, unfair agenda narratives that they're just pushing nonstop, especially from you know, ESPN, where their Twitter guy is just posting Lakers videos. It's, are they running together? It's it's weird. Um, congrats to the Lakers, though. Uh, you know, uh, James, you know, was on a mission. I 
you know, I was going to be hesitant to see how they played in the next round, but they were able to get, you know, game one. Uh, this is um, this series might be over by the time you you hear this um, or listen to this or watch it or whatever. But, um, you know, they, they did a great job of getting back home court, just like they, they did against Memphis. Um, Golden State. Going into it, I was like, okay, well, you know, Kevin Looney is going to be able to rebound with Anthony Davis. And that was entirely true. L- Looney is James Worthy in the playoffs. I don't know. That man rebounds his ass off in the playoffs. It's, it's incredible. Um, but they're going to need more than that, you know. So, I mean, I feel like maybe they go towards Jonathan Kaminga or something, um, you know, to really give them, you know, this extra push or some a little bit more athleticism on the wings. Jared Vanderbilt for the Lakers, uh, man, it just was such a great pick. Up. He he guarded John Morant really well the first round, and now he's having to guard Steph. He's also doing a great job there. And, and this is the thing I was saying that the, these new age wings that are like six seven six eight with long arms, man, those guys are so invaluable. Like you know, that's why it was such a hard hit for the Grizzlies when Zaire Williams didn't turn into who, who he we thought he was going to be as this six eight six nine. Uh, you know, player who could play the two, the three, the four, guard ones and twos, uh, you know, who, who could bounce. And he just, he just took a huge step back. And you don't know if it was psychological or maybe, you know, he just injuries were just nagging all year. But, you know, and now, we, now they're already saying in the exit interviews that he's going to go back to summer league. And it's like, damn, you know, that's, that's tough. But I, I think, you know, he's young enough for them to really want that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see, like, you know, everything going on. Um, Moving on from that, you know, you had uh, pretty much everybody else that I thought was going to do well, do well. You know, the the Nuggets kill the Timberwolves. You know, that was obvious. Um, I thought that the Suns would, would be the Clippers in five. I was right, but there's a caveat there where you know Kawhi Leonard, you know, gets hurt, of course, because they that they rested him all season, and, and of course in the playoffs, and then when he's supposed to be finally playing these 35 minute games, he is is, is still hurt. You know, so um, just. And now they're saying that they're going to give the Clippers one, you know, this combo of guys one more year. It's like, man, how many? Just, just cut the cord. You're paying those guys like eighty million dollars. Just cut the cord, um, blow it up. You know, you you don't have a youth project anywhere on that team. Uh, you know, if you if you do if you stay this course, you're going to be in a super deep hole going forward. There's little numbers there that really prove that those guys could win on the big stage anyways, based on the current construction of the roster. You know, I'm it just it sucks for Steve Ballmer, who I think has been a really vibrant owner. Um, but you know, just you know, it's, there's no shame. I mean, like right now, man, every team's good in the West. I mean, even even Houston, you know, being a 15th, you know, like like they, they look like a team that is a couple of pieces away. You know, that like if they could just switch some things here and there, they could get in that plan next year. You know, it's 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 super competitive in the West. It's always going to be so. Just you know, it, there's no time like the present to just maybe try and blow it up. But if they do decide to keep it together, they're going to have to get rid of more assets to get. You know something. I you know Russ played you know okay for them, but he he's a free agent this year. I'm wondering where he's going to go. But you know, uh, but you know, congrats to the uh, Warriors who who won in seven. I thought I thought the Kings would get them, but they just the the lights were too bright, as Jared Allen likes to say. Um, so Kings, Warriors, and uh, Suns, Nuggets. Nuggets are up 2-0 at this current juncture. Jokic is an absolute monster. I expect the Nuggets and the Celtics to be in the finals together, and I expect the Celtics to finally get a chip with the combination of Tatum and Brown. With um, Brown not not asking for a trade. Once all this is over, uh, and then in the East, you know, you've got the Heat and the Knicks, which there's just injuries all the place there. But that series is tied up now at one-one, and then you know you've got the uh, 
Celtic Sixers, which is also tied up 1-1. You had the uh, Sixers with this incredible uh, game one performance, but, you know, who knows? Um, you know, Celtics are so weird. They, they, they have a great team. Um, I expect them to make a big push. Uh, speaking of the, the uh, Sixers, though, um, we're going to move on to uh, Joel Embiid here, man. Um, he uh, finally won his first MVP award. Turn this down a little bit here. Sorry about that, folks. Um, he he was uh, not nowhere near unanimous, but he did get the most votes. And uh, is is he deserving? Sure. I mean, like every year, every every MVP is arguably really you know deserving, uh, despite you know people being upset about certain things here and there. Um, but you could argue for Jokic. Obviously, he, what he did was stupid this year. But like like we already said, uh, you know. V- the voter fatigue was not going to let Jokic win. Um, and what's funny is that Embiid is already doing what I, my, my, my main complaint with him in the, uh, just as a player is he doesn't show up in the playoffs and he, he, he gets awarded his, his MVP award. And then his team loses by 30 points, you know? And it's just like, maybe he's a little beaten up still from, you know, I think he pulled his leg or hamstring or something, but it's like, God, I just I wish he had more consistency because he's such a talented big. Um, you know, he'll, he'll go down as one of the greats probably. Uh, he's just I, you're seeing these highlights. I mean, if folks who are listening to the podcast can't see the highlights, but you know, just just doing little things. You know, we'll see. Uh, I, I I would be shocked if he ever wins another one unless they maybe next year are like a 61 team or something. But you know, he gets it. He can say he's an MVP. Um, you know, the 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 trust the process crowd can can you know. Work their way there. Uh, moving on from uh, MVP uh, greatness to maybe uh, back to first round, um, you know, issues. Uh, we we go into um, you've got Giannis. You've got Giannis um, kind of going off on a. I don't want to say going off on a reporter, but he is definitely um, taken aback. Um, he feels insulted by by the question of, "Is this year a failure?" I'm going to play the clip. Um, I'm going to do my best to not talk during it so that I can up the audio. It's a little quiet, um, so here we go. I just asked about the exact same question, but uh, do you do this season as a Question last year. Okay. Uh, do you get do you get the promotion every year? On your job? No, right? So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards some towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, be able to uh, take care of your family. Yeah, so his point there is, um, you know, is every year is your goal to get that next big bump. Um, I don't think that's fair in every um, circumstance. Uh, you know, most of us in jobs, I mean, like, you know, they, they have certain ceilings. And uh, sports, it's different, you know, like, you know, every year there's a new ceiling, you know, so it's, you know, it, and it gets replaced by, by the, you know, the old one gets replaced by, by the new ceiling. So, you know, and it's unfair that they are, are gauged on, on their, um, on their overall progress based on, you know, yearly stuff, even though, you know, you know, so so for you know, it, it, it kind of goes into like Jordan here. You know, uh, played fifteen years and like only won six rings. So does that mean that he was a failure for nine? And it, it's a pretty poignant point. Provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, 
gonna I don't I don't make person. So there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championships. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other other people is gonna win. And this year somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. You're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to improve good habits. Try to uh, play better. Not have a 10 days stretch with uh, play bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failure. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another. It's uh, it's very interesting conversation, and I, I love that it's coming from um, a person whose stature is this high in the league, right? You know, I, I don't think everybody agrees with with his take because you know we. You know, when you're the team that everybody thinks is supposed to win that year, and your, your team won, I think like sixty games, and and you're, you're the overall one seed, and you get beat in the first round, you know, it's looked at as as a failure. Um, you know, I mean, I think a better word is it's a a letdown. It, it's a it's a you know disappointment. Um, I understand Giannis's point of, you know, it can't be a failure because, you know, failure is just a chance to grow, right? It's just a, it's, it's a, um, it, it, it's your next ability to, to get better from that point, right? You know, it just, you know, you weren't the best team, you know, that year and, and you hope to just get better the next one and learn from, from your, your issues and your mistakes and, and then go forward. Right. Um, I think if anything, uh, it's a failure for Mike Budenholzer, um, who as of this video, I think is going to be fired by the Milwaukee Bucks, um, which is crazy to think that him, just like Nick Nurse, who got who got let go here recently, is another coach of the year, a guy who won a championship, and he's going to be on the market. Which is, you know, it's 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 tough, man. Like you know, when and that's just expectations versus failure. You know, it's like, and I I kind of feel the same way with you know Taylor Jenkins. Um, the, I think this is well, he's going to like his fourth year or something. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's fourth or fifth. And I think he's been saved by the fact that there's this um, this national uh, stigma or blanket that your team was too young to win anyways. So you're not being graded. So so he's getting graded on, on this big curve because I don't think he's grown that much as a coach in general. I think he's really stubborn. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Dylan Brooks here in a second, and that's part of his stubbornness. Um, and you know, I I wouldn't mind getting a Budenholzer if he becomes available, or or you know Nick Nurse, or you know Kenny Atkinson, or somebody that I think has more experience to really bring this team together. Boonholzer is getting, um, I don't say exposed, but like people really believe that Eric Spolcher, who I think has done a great job, he's never won Coach of the Year for some crazy reason, but he, that guy is just the uh, king of all nerds in the NBA world. There's a guy who started as a video editor for the Heat and became the head coach and won multiple championships. And he's brought along so many people and he just shows that you don't have to be in that world necessarily to understand how to properly um coach basketball and, and, and teach it and just great it's awesome um but yeah so i would not be mad if they got rid of jenkins um i they won't because i think they believe that he's you know he he's going to grow with his team and get better and he has this, this young coach potential because he's only i think he's, he's in his late 30s 
Um, I just I feel at a certain point this team is going to outgrow him as they as they get into their prime and they need more structure and more flow to their game. Um, and he's just I think he was in the in the playoffs. You know, he had no clue. Um, how to beat that that young Lakers team? You know, it just like you know, he kept throwing the same crap at him. Um, but failure, right? Uh, do, do I think the Grizzlies failed this year? Um, from the standpoint of they, I don't think people had them winning a championship. So I don't think it's a failure for them. I think it's a failure for them to lose in the first round um, and to not do more, especially with as much as they you know talked and ran their mouth and they, they got the entire NBA world up in arms over them. Um, you know, but only one team wins. And so I think there is some truth to what Giannis is saying also, where, you know, so, so like 29 teams failed. I mean, I don't think Detroit failed this year. I don't think Orlando failed this year. I think Orlando drafted, you know, Palo Mancaro, who's an awesome rookie. They, they have a really cool, uh, core going forward. Uh, and like a really fun path. I don't think they failed at all this year. I think, you know, there's just different expectations for teams. And I think, I think the, the, the reporter had, you know, maybe, you know, ordered his question a little bit differently, you know, and um, if maybe if he felt as though this was a, a you know, disappointment this year, um, it, 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 was it a waste uh, maybe, um, you know, in terms of just, of just his time and, and, you know, there, on, you know, it, because you only get so many years, um, but you know, I don't know. So let's move on to um, uh, speaking of, of failure. Uh, let's move on to Dylan Brooks. I think um, JJ Reddick has something really in, uh, he, Hold on. Um, so it came out that the Grizzlies, under no circumstance, would bring back Dylan Brooks, and the entire world exploded. Uh, you know, on Twitter, talking about how the the Grizzlies were were you wrong for that, and, and they they owe Dylan more than that, and it's and, and and he's a scapegoat and a fall guy, and it's it's their fault. And, you know, da 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 da. Right. Even though there's no reporting coming out from the Grizzlies themselves uh, saying anything, you know, and the only quotation is from Shams. It's not even from anybody from Memphis. Um, it was just I think that there there was a conversation about them just not bringing him back. Back to the team, and somebody leaked that to Shams, and then he pushed this this really uh, negative agenda to get clicks and and, and engagement. Uh, so much so now that the agent for Dylan Brooks has come out and said basically the you know that that's not what <laughs> is done and said, and that, and that Shams is his weirdo for doing so. And it's just annoying because you you've got only JJ Redick in the room who's screaming um, obviously clarity, but he's just he's the only one who is just understands what's going on and how it makes no sense for Memphis to, to say this whatsoever. And everybody else just runs with it and gets clicks and gets all their, you know, tweets and retweets and everything. And then, and then like another day comes through and then nobody cares about it anymore. Right. So kudos to him. I'm going to play his, um, his, uh, bit Dylan here. Brooks the scapegoat. The reality is the Grizzlies have other problems besides Dylan Brooks and whether they choose to bring him back or don't choose or, you know, whatever it may be. I can't remember a time in my now 17 years either being in the NBA or covering the NBA where we're in the second round of the playoffs, the day of a game where two of the greatest players ever are getting ready to square off and we're just tweeting out things for engagement. Like, is that where we're at? Is that where we're actually, you know what? I, I, I will, I'd be willing to bet that that language didn't come from the Grizzlies. Look, this is the problem. This is the problem, right? It's, it's, it's agenda-driven media. I have a problem with it. The, the reality is Dylan Brooks hurts them offensively. If you want to go in another direction, that's fine. That is fine. Do the antics, does it, do, do, did that hurt them? I actually don't know. 
I don't know how much that hurt them. There's other problems in roster construction, guys being out. Like, there, there's other issues besides Dylan Brooks and him poking a bear. The entire culture around that team has changed a lot in the last two years. I, I actually remember this. When I was in the bubble, when I was in the bubble, there were two teams that had FU written on their forehead, walking around. You see them at the hotel, you see them at practice, you see them at games. There were two teams that I was like, oh, these guys actually want to be here. And it was the Memphis Grizzlies and the Miami Heat. The culture has changed a little bit. There is semantics. Is Dylan Brooks the only one that's a part of that? Like, I, to me, he's not the scapegoat. And whoever the agenda it was to tweet that out, I got a problem with that. And if you ask Dylan Brooks' teammates, they ride with him. They ride so uh, JJ Reddick just spitting facts, man. Um, it's it's annoying that he is the the only uh, chair in a room full of uh, carpet, <laughs> you know, that, and everybody's trying to like sit down. You know, it's it, it's it's annoying uh, that that you've got just so. I mean, I mean like you know, there's you know just. You know, just watching the video and Mad Dogs on on, on the side, he's just he's got his eyes raised. He's just such a little smug douche, man. I just just an idiot through and through. He's awful with his baseball critiques. He's awful here. Um, you know, it's just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of of this this media. It's it's insane, and it's it makes perfect sense why YouTube is beginning to grow in terms of the people that are actually um, more more in line to do more information and and research it and, and spit it back out in a way that has more you know context to it and it's not just complete biased nature it's you know it's i don't know if uh if, if, the, if the producers at espn are just having them push these you know sensationalized garbage stories just for, to get more clicks maybe um you know and not shocking that they're also firing like 60 percent of their staff because they're, they're losing so much money and they're inviting people on like you know kenny beecham uh who probably gets more on his youtube videos than, than they do on any of their shows on a daily basis um it's just gross, man. Um, the, the the bottom line here is uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, you know he he wasn't good enough. It's that simple. You know, two years ago, people keep pointing out it makes no sense that you know back in the you know versus the Jazz and for dude, it's two years. Um, you know, I'm glad he averaged 25 points a game against the Jazz two years ago. You know he's he's now fourth in the pecking order, dude. Like you know, like you know, Jaron wasn't Jaron then, and Desmond Bain was not Desmond Bain then, and, and now those guys are. And Dylan Brooks falls further down the peck. That's why he's not averaging twenty five again. That's why he's not doing all the things he was doing before, because he's not good enough. It's that it's that simple. And and you know they they tried to resign him in this year. Um, he believes he's worth twenty million a year. Okay, cool. Go get that somewhere because it's not going to be here because you're not as good as Desmond Bain, John Morant, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like you're just not. Um, and he he believes he's Jalen Brown. He thinks he is this All NBA, uh, you know, guy that is a stud on defense and a guy who can go get 25 a game on offense. And he's just he's not. You know, like, like nobody is more not in line with their own ability than Dylan Brooks. Um, and you know, and that's fine. You know, I'm sure our team will, will pay him $13, $14 million a year and he'll be a lot of fun for that team and he'll talk a lot of trash and hit some shots, you know, that's, that's cool, man. But you can't have a guy that's not getting guarded out there. I mean, there's a reason why when the Lakers were playing them and when Luke Gennard came in that there was a, a offensive rating boom of like 40 points because 
because all of a sudden, Jaw and Bane and all those guys are able to hit the lanes and pass and stuff because it opened things up completely because nobody can leave Luke Kennard open because he's shooting like 55% from three in, in the corner, as opposed to Dylan Brooks, where they're literally just leaving him because he's shooting 24%, you know? So there's a giant difference there. And his defense wasn't good enough to warrant him you know, being out there either because LeBron James was lighting his ass up, you know? So like, you know, he, like his numbers were not 26 a game, 25 a game, but he was shooting 60%, you know, in terms of, of true shooting percentage, you know, and, and he's also doing other things, you know, right? So, you know, so, you know, I, I hope he finds a, a place for him to go and, and to kill it. Uh, that That's great, man. Um, but the, the Grizzlies are ready to move on and, and let's move on into that. Uh, just in terms of free agency news, uh, we're, uh, at some point I will get uh, Chip in here. We're going to be talking about, um, you know, the draft in general and the players now that the Grizzlies, and even if they should make a draft pick, I don't think they should. I think they should package those bad boys and try to like, you know, get, you know, a really good wing. Those will be out there this year, you know, talking about free agency, you know, guys like Jeremy Grant, guys like Grant Williams, um, you know, maybe they go back into the like OJ Nobi, you know, sweepstakes, trying to maybe get him. Hopefully, they don't have to give up as much now because um, there's not as much fire around, and so the um, you know the, the the temptation is not as high. So the you know the the rappers don't have as much of a bidding. Uh, a bidding war um, bonus. I don't know how to really say that, you know, more poetically, but um, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I, I, there are, we're, we're planning on doing like a mock draft. We're going to be hitting up, uh, you know, um, just draft and free agency stuff as things come along. Guys, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Um, you know, until next time.